Earlier this month, the Prague Philharmonic Orchestra got on stage to play a symphony written by the famous Czech composer Antonín Dvorak. The orchestra was premiering a piece of music the world had never heard before. Dvorak died more than a hundred years ago, and he left behind just the beginnings of a composition, just two sheets of music. So a computer program powered by AI studied the rest of Dvorak's music and completed the composer's unfinished work. This is what the software spit out, something in the style of Dvorak that was still an entirely new symphony. For years, We've worried about robots replacing the jobs of truck drivers and call center agents and accountants. But experts said creative jobs were going to be safe. That computers were still so far from making things that are new and subjective that move us. So, consider the fact that AI wrote most of this. Today on the show, reporter Natalia Drozdiak visits three musicians using artificial intelligence to make their music, including the guy behind this Robo Dvorak symphony. If computers can now compose something this beautiful, what's left for us humans to do? I'm Aki Ito. You're listening to Decrypted. Stay with us. Hey, Nat, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So you're our European tech reporter out of Brussels, and you normally write about Europe's regulatory crackdown on the tech industry. But today we're talking about something completely different. Yep. So we've been writing about the use of AI in self-driving cars and chatbots and voice assistants. Mm -hmm. But in the world of music, this is all still kind of new. I mean, musicians just started using AI as a tool a few years ago. So I talked to three different composers who are using AI in really different ways. The first guy I want to introduce you to is Benoit Carré. He's a French musician. He's known in France for these French pop songs, but he's also composed music for artists like the famous French rocker Johnny Halliday. So this is a pretty famous guy out of France. Yeah, he's, he's well-known, but he's gotten even more attention recently because of his experimentations with AI-generated music. And how did he get into that? So there's this guy called François Paché, who for a long time was the head of the research lab run by Sony in Paris. And Paché has kind of become known as the godfather of AI music because he's really done a lot of research in this area. François called me a, a long time ago. Uh, he discovered my, my songs in the late 90s. And uh, he was interested by my way of composing songs, always searching for um, unexpected chord changes. And, uh, and he invited Benoit to his lab to try out some of the tools that he's been developing over the past few years. 
And one of the tools that Peche's team developed is this machine learning tool that generates music. So how does it work? So first, the program basically ingests a bunch of sheets of music that the musician wants the program to train on. And then the computer cuts it up into really tiny bits of music and rearranges it into a whole new composition. So let me give you an example. So a few years ago, Benoit fed this program 470 lead sheets of jazz standards from the 30s up through the 50s and 60s, and out came these two bars of music that he really liked. Very jazzy. I can definitely sense the influence. Yeah, so Benoit really liked the sound of of what the computer came up with. It's just two bars at the beginning um, with um, ascendant melodic movement. That is really unexpected Hmm. and that I loved uh, at the first, first time. So he asked the system to generate new ones based on those new parameters. And then I I, uh, iterate with the machine, like, uh, you you know, if if it were a workmate Mm -hmm. or something like that. It's kind of like two artists collaborating on a song, but it's just that one of them is a machine. Exactly. And so that ultimately led to this full song that he released under his artist name, Skiga. It's on a sickening, though cattle go down. It's red in the going sad on. The going sad on. It's high, it's on a sickening, though cattle go down. It's red in Yeah, I definitely recognize the melody from earlier, but it, it, it doesn't sound as jazzy. It sounds um, a little old-timey and familiar. At the end, I had really uh, a very interesting melody. I, I was able to say, uh, okay, I'm proud of, of this melody, and I uh, think it's new. I think it's interesting because I couldn't have made it by myself. So the, 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 the collaboration with AI is really interesting because it gives me something new. So for this song, the AI was really just the initial inspiration, uh, but Benoit made a ton of creative decisions to bring this song to the finish line. So in that sense, maybe you can call this AI light. Right. And so Benoit released this song back in 2016. And since then... Francois Paché from Sony moved over to Spotify, and Benoit has been helping Francois's new work at Spotify. And there, they're building these tools from scratch with researchers for various tasks that are involved in creating a song. And one of those tools that they've developed, they've incorporated into Benoit's new album called American Folk Songs. So Benoit and I talked about one song called Black is the Color. The melody is based on this famous folk song called Black is the Color of My True Love's Hair. Um, It's been covered by people like Pete Seeger, Nina Simone. Aki, I'm sure you've heard it before. Uh, I actually don't think I have. Um, Is that bad? I I grew up in Japan. (laughs) Well, I think most of our listeners have. So Benoit's song is based on this a cappella version sung by Pete Seeger. Black, black, black is the color of my true love's hair. 
And he had Spotify's AI program I'll add all these harmonies in the background to make it sound so much richer. Black, black, black is the color of my true love's hair. Her face is something wondrous fair. The purest eyes and the daintiest hands. I love the ground on which she stands. I thought that it could be very inspiring to have something very sophisticated with a simple melody like Black is the Color. And I got a really an amazing result. I was blown away by this result. Black, black, black is the color of my true love's hair. Her face is something wondrous fair. The purest I, I think no, no, no human could <laughs> have composed this string arrangement because it's too weird. There are two strange things in it, two strange um, chord uh, changes and internal movements, but it's still really, really beautiful. Hmm. And I think that this kind of result is very encouraging for, uh, for musicians like me and after me. Musicians need something new, something uh, that they... Uh, find inspiring for their compositions. You know, it's really different from the music I'm used to listening to, uh, and, and definitely a little weird, but I think I like it. It's beautiful. Yeah, it sounds, I don't know, both old and new at the same time. But what's interesting to me is how he's really revamping this traditional folk music. And I can imagine it might sound strange for some American audiences who grew up listening to this type of music and then right. have it repackaged in a totally different way. So the original melody and the lyrics were obviously written by a human a long time ago. But the arrangement we hear in the background was all composed by a machine, is that right? Mostly. So Benoit did make a few choices and additions along the way. He used Pete Seeger's voice to create an auto choir, for instance. He also composed and recorded some chord sequences. One was in the style of like an epic Game of Thrones type sound. Another mm. one was in a bossa nova style. And he fed that into the machine, which in turn generated a whole new string arrangement for the background sound. Mm. And for the final recording, he also chose the string quartet and the director to play that new composition. Okay, so still a lot of human intervention there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and this is a tool that Spotify is making available to everyone? So not quite yet. Uh, they eventually want to release the tool on open source on the internet, possibly by the end of next year, but it could take longer than that. And so the next composer and entrepreneur I want to introduce you to is this guy called Pierre Barrault, and he's based in Luxembourg. He studied computer science, he's a musician, his father is a film and music producer, his mother is a singer, and he and his brother started this company called Ava. This is the startup that made the Dvorak-inspired symphony that we heard at the top of the show. 
Right. And he and his brother were inspired by how important music is in film, but how long that process can take in terms of creating a soundtrack. So they wanted to see if they could train AI and see if it could basically help a composer create that type of music, Mm. not just for films, but also for commercials, promotional videos, video games, and also just generally assisting composers in their work. So Pierre fed the machine with 30,000 scores of history's greatest composers from Bach, Beethoven, and Mozart. So basically, uh, it all starts by uh, teaching an algorithm to, to learn the, the patterns in music. You know, that there's this common uh, knowledge that music is sort of emotional and it's, it's the opposite of math. But actually, if you look at music very uh, carefully, there's a lot of uh, patterns in it. Um, so Ava understands all these patterns, which are very, very mathematical at the core. And Ava uses that to generate different kinds of music, depending on what you're looking for. So let me play you two songs in a completely different style. The first one is this classical song called I Am AI. This makes me think of a, a winter ballet. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I totally think of a forest blanketed in snow and little bunny rabbits hopping <laughs> by. I see that too. Let me play you a totally different song. This is a pop song called Guiding Light. So background music is a big industry, and this just underscores the strength of Ava's business model. Mm -hmm. I mean, for the most part, if you're a company or like a podcast, you can pay a composer to make custom music, or you can use these catalogs of songs that you're licensed to use. Right. That's what we do for this show. We use these uh, big catalogs of songs um, that we're allowed to use. But it's really hard because, you know, these are already existing songs. A lot of other shows use them and I don't know. I know I drive our producers crazy because I'm really picky about which tracks they use for different sections of our show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's the big opportunity for Ava. You could have a custom-made piece of music, but because you're having a computer do it, it's probably cheaper and faster than having a human composer do it. How long does it take to create like a new song, you know, like three minutes, three and a half minutes? So it depends. It depends with the algorithms that we use, because we have different algorithms that we've used over the past couple of years. Uh, the very first ones that we had, it took uh, usually 48 to 72 hours because we had to retrain uh, Ava on the influences that uh, we wanted uh, her to specifically emulate. Um, but more recently, it takes about like 45 seconds to a minute uh, to create a piece of music from three minutes long. Nat, so you know how earlier the first example from Benoit was just this starting point and there was still like a ton of human intervention that was involved? How complete is the music that Ava's software is uh, generating? Well, Pierre says it kind of depends on who's playing around with the tool. Like someone who's highly musically trained might make more tweaks and changes to it, whereas someone who isn't might leave it as is, mm -hmm. though the quality might not be as good as a result. 
So in the songs that we just listened to earlier, uh, did human composers tweak those songs? So no, that was composed entirely by Ava, but humans did assign the different parts of music to different instruments. We'll be right back. Okay, so before the break, we met two musicians who are using AI to make music in, in really different ways. Yeah, so Benoit Carré uses AI kind of as a collaborator. Pierre Berrault uses AI specifically for background music. But the last guy I want to introduce you to takes it even further. His name's Ash Kusha. Uh, yeah, we're here. Yeah, thanks so much for for having us over. We're really... Um... And he's an electronic musician. He's Iranian-born and based in London. How, the question for me always was how I can I can make a very intriguing, complete, and complex piece of music only using a computer. And also, what if the part of the composition that I'm thinking of can be partly made by the computer? So that question took me 12 years to go through all the different parts from instruments, replicating sound of violins, field recording, synthesizing voice, and finally to um, finding a way to generate lyrics. Um, that is what initiated Oxyman. It was trying to tackle what is a non-human hmm. uh, creative engine. And a few years ago, Ash started building virtual entertainers for video games. Hmm. So you know how they have these avatars in video games? So is, is that like a Mario and Mario Kart? Am I adding <laughs> yeah. myself as a non-gamer? <laughs> <laughs> well, so Ash made a virtual avatar that makes music, and he called her Yona. So this is like a, a whole virtual character that writes her own music. Yeah, so you can kind of think of it as infusing an AI with a personality too. So in this case, Ash trained Yona's AI on Margaret Atwood's novels and also on articles about teenage life. So Ash's company, Oxhuman, created Yona, and she's an angsty teen in a dystopian world. <laughs> That's a really good way of putting it. <laughs> so yeah, let me play you a song that Ash just released in September, written and sung by Yona. I never felt alone. You never said a word. I fell from my throne. You didn't want me there. You didn't want me near. You didn't want me there. I never heard you say, if every life I live is the same without you. <laughs> it's it's definitely Aki? very weird, uh, very dystopian. Uh, I feel like she's going to come and kill me in my sleep. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a little eerie. And some of the comments on the video are kind of funny. Like one user says, this is creepy. Another one says, don't listen to this when you're high. <laughs> and another guy says, don't mess with organic music. Um, and I think part of what makes it extra creepy is that you can watch Yona sing this song on YouTube and she looks half human, half robot. If you cry with every smile, I'll 
I'll make you stare. Forget where you were when it all happened. You know, so, so this definitely really creeps me out, but now that I'm thinking about it, maybe that's the point, that it's disturbing. Yeah, so Ash's goal with Yona and, and his other characters, he has other AI-based characters, is to really have um, have them evoke emotion in the people listening to it. So in her music, you you get this sense that it she's sad. And Ash says it's easier to get human reaction through sad and romantic music. Mm. Um, we want to make something that when you listen to Yona, you, you believe that there's something being said. So the nature of, of, of the scales that we use and, and, the, and the type of music that we use is very personal. It's very deep. It's very, um, yeah, it's, in a sense, it's romantic, I think. The other thing he says is that he's not trying to replace traditional music in any way, but to create a whole new form of sound and a whole new genre. We, we could try and make the best rock track, but I think there are many, many good musicians that do that. Creating genres takes time, and, and it's just a subculture, and it's a scene, pretty much. Mm. So it takes time. So we want to give it time. At the beginning, it's sounding sometimes wonky, and it's a bit weird, but that's what we're looking for. And so with that also goes a different form of consumption. So this type of music might be consumed through games or virtual reality or different types of concerts. And there's a market for that. Yeah, I mean, he's already, Ash is already monetizing his virtual entertainers. I mean, Yona performed at events and shows and at a poetry festival recently. Wow. So it's it's kind of like um, Hatsune Miku in Japan. Do, do you know about her? I have no idea who that is. <laughs> <laughs> so she's just like, they call her a virtual pop idol, um, but it's, it's nuts. Like, they have like tons of people who go to her concerts or her or it or whatever you would call it. Yeah, and uh, there's, she gets like projected onto a screen and, you know, they use the software for her wow. um, to, to sing, if, if you can call it that. That is the, 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 the idea of the modern, the contemporary uh, pop culture, which is alter egos and creating ca- almost cartoon characters. So we, we are kind of adopting all of these things into a new uh, form of expression. This is why we're not uh, apologetic about Yona being digital or being a bit weird and not complete or perfect. That's how she is. Hmm. And I think um, the the gaming generation, the video game generation, and Generation Alpha is going to be more accepting of that fact. So Nat, we started this episode with this idea that creativity is the last frontier of AI. And of course, that begs the question, if AI can now make music, is there anything left for us humans to do? And, you know, having listened to your conversations with Benoit and Pierre and Ash and having listened to their AI-generated music... I think it's all really interesting, and there were definitely sections of their songs that I really liked. But the question we posed at the start feels still very premature to me. It feels like we're still very, very far from AI replacing human composers. 
And I personally still prefer all of the artists I listen to who are writing their own stuff instead of having computers write their stuff. Yeah. You know what? It reminds me of the conversation that I had with Pierre Barrow from Ava. And he said that people were really upset when synthesizers were first introduced 30 years ago. And now it's totally normal. So I guess I can imagine a day when AI is just going to be another tool for musicians and people won't even bat an eye. Natalia Drozdiak, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Aki. So before I let you guys go, I want to let you know that this is the last episode of this season of Decrypted. And we're going to be publishing a special bonus episode in two weeks where this show's original co-host, Brad Stone, and I are going to be talking about our favorite episodes that we've ever done and update you on the people and the stories we've covered over the years. So if there's an episode you want us to talk about, tweet at me at AkiIto7 or email me at AITO16 at Bloomberg.net. Decrypted is hosted by me, AkiIto. Sean Wen is our executive producer. Ethan Brooks mixed the show today. Nate Langston and Neville Gillette helped with recordings. Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcasts. We'll see you in two weeks.